The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Welcome back, children, to Tentacle Tuesday. <laughs> Mr. Alster has returned to a broken cafe, as well as broken companions and perhaps a broken heart. As he and Caitlin get down to business, Terence joins the fray. And it's always good to get a little doctor's advice, isn't it? <laughs> As we wander into the next chapter with the usual possibilities of graphic violence, child endangerment, and foul language. And let me remind you that this podcast may not be suitable for children under the age of 13. Now... Let us grab some coffee and some grub from the kitchen as we have Chapter 14, Introductions. Dr. Ryan Cliff took a close look at the nasty tear on Jonah's chest. Pulling him up and forward, he could see the entry point on his back. Whatever had sliced through him had done severe damage to both tissue, muscle, and bones. The fact that he was even alive and healing was a medical miracle. As he lay him back down on the cot, he noticed that Jonah's left arm was wrapped from the elbow on down. What's this all about? He was just about to take a look at it when behind him he heard a bed creak and turned around. Terence was sitting straight up and looking directly at him. Mr. White, you're awake, the doctor said surprised. Miss Caitlin will be thrilled. Terence closed his eyes and grabbed his head as if swooning. Slowly, he spun himself to the edge of the bed, rattling the IV pole as he did so. Easy, easy, the doctor exclaimed. You have several broken ribs and a concussion. That would explain the pounding in my head, he replied, and without hesitating. Am I forbidden from getting up, or can I get something to eat? I'm starved. I'd prefer if you gave me five minutes and I'll... But Terence was already up and slowly walking towards the door, completely unaware that he had knocked over the IV pole and was dragging it behind him. Oh, for crying out loud! What is it with you people? Don't any of you follow instructions? Terence cocked his head and blinked. Nope. What would be the fun in that? Fine. But at least let me disconnect you. The doctor pointed to the pole behind him on the floor. Terence looked back at it. He had already dragged it halfway across the floor. Boy, I guess I'm still a little out of it, huh? The doctor, shaking his head, smiled, got up and helped Terrence back to the bed. He disengaged the IV bags and bandaged the ports in his arm from where he had been hooked up. There, Dr. Rhinecliff said. You're good to go. Just promise me two things. Take it slow and use the IV stand as a crutch for now. I promise. Oh, and who's this? For the first time, he saw Jonah on the cot near the window. Your Mr. Alistair brought him in, the doctor replied. Mr. Alistair? He's back? His face immediately brightened at the news. So this must be the boy he told me about just before he left. Terence sat down on the doctor's stool briefly and pushed Jonah's hair out of his face. So you're the one who's caused all this fuss. He looked Jonah over. He reminded him of a young jackpot, at the same time something different, something more. In some ways, the aura he projected was terrifying. No wonder the Order wants you. If they could turn you into a weapon, he muttered, before completely slipping into thought. 
And he's the first of his kind, too. There will be more like him born. It was Aldona's answer to the creeping evil that was taking over humanity. The Daemonium Comandente, or Demon Eaters. He leaned on the IV stand again and stood up. Doc, I'm going to go get something to eat. Do you need anything? Just what this cafe is famous for. Right. I'll have say. Oh, maybe not. The doctor could see the painful look in Terence's face as it hit him that the girl Sam had been lost in the explosion. It's okay, Mr. White. I'm almost done with this young man. I'll be down shortly to get it myself. You, um, sure, Doc? I'm sure someone. The doctor was already shaking his head. I'm sure. Go eat. Your buddy could use some real food. Right. Terrence got to the top of the balcony and surveyed the scene below. The floor had been mostly torn up, and a large blue tarp hung across the entranceway. He could see the shadows of men working outside as they were preparing to rebuild the entrance. Then, three smells caught his fancy, making his stomach growl. Chili, turkey legs, Alistair's favorite, and yes, coffee. He smiled as he spied Caitlin sitting across from Mr. Alistair at the coffee bar. They had yet to notice him and listened as he waited for the perfect moment. So, what do we do now? Caitlin asked. May I add my two cents, or is this a private conversation? Terrence! Caitlin exclaimed. You know, putting his hand to his head, my head hurts, and man am I hungry. The two laughed and helped him to his seat. Caitlin brought him some food, and he turned to Mr. Alistair. I didn't remember you. You know, from back then, Macau did something to keep me from remembering. I'm sorry, and... Delighted to meet you again, Mr. Alistair. There's no need to apologize, Mr. White, he said, as I am grateful to see that you're up and moving about, he replied as they shook hands. So, Terence continued, that's the young man you told me about before you left. Yes, and I have a feeling he's going to be a handful. Yes, he does have an unusual aura. Terence acknowledged, and then, remembering the doctor's request, Oh, Katie, yes? The doctor will be down shortly. Can you put him up a cup? Absolutely, she smiled, pushing back her stool and heading into the kitchen. Now, getting back to your question, what do we do now? Give me five minutes, Terence, Katie cried out. I'm good, but she was not going to be left out of this conversation. Right. A few minutes later, she reemerged and sat back down at the coffee bar. So, she nodded and pointed to Terence, and he began again. Well, thanks to you, Caitlin. Half the battle has already been started. Unfortunately, with the door being destroyed, we no longer have use of the Solomon Gate. Won't that get rebuilt? Alistair asked. No, Terence replied. The order locked onto its location, so... I think it's best we don't give them a second shot at us. The doctor came downstairs, and Caitlin pointed to the kitchen doors. It's on the counter to your left. Right. Thank you. No. Left, she replied with a big grin. Ha ha, young lady. Very funny. Anyway. Anyway, the doctor said as he reemerged quickly, pulling up a stool of his own as he blew softly on a large mug. None of you will be doing anything for at least three weeks. 
Mr. White. You have a concussion and several broken ribs. Miss Maxwell here has a separated shoulder and a thoracic sprain. And while your demon friend may be okay, his charge upstairs is going to need... A voice came from the balcony, causing everyone to look up. Excuse me. It was the boy. He stood, clutching a robe that he must have grabbed from Terence's closet. It was way too big on him, and it made him look like a wizard that had accidentally shrunk himself. Can anyone tell me where I am? The boy eyed the small group and paused, staring intently at Mr. Alistair. Terence grabbed the IV stand and stood up. You're at the Café Solfeggio, or at least what remains of it. I'm its curator, Terence White. The man here in the blue checkered shirt is Dr. Then embarrassed, he realized he didn't know the doctor's name. I'm Dr. Ryan Cliff. Thanks, Doc. It was still a bit much for him, so he turned to Caitlin. I think you guys can handle this, right? He quickly sat back down, holding his head with his hands. She laughed. Sure. I'm Caitlin Maxwell, and this... She noticed how intently he stared at Alistair. He would look at him, then at his left hand, and then back at the ex-demon. It was the first time she noticed the bandages wrapping his arm. Was that part of his injuries? I'm Mr. Alistair. The boy's eyes remained locked in. I... I remember you, he said. But you... Ah, yes. I didn't have red skin, hooves, and a tail. Yeah, I... Jonah fell to his knees, and immediately Alistair jumped up to where he was standing and scooped him up. Hey, the boy complained, but as he did so, he looked again at his hand. Nothing. No glow. No pulse. No sensation of foreboding. Was this still the results of the poison? Why doesn't it react? Alistair jumped back down with the boy over the railing and placed him on the table, where Dr. Rhinecliffe immediately took a look at him. His pupils are dilated, he remarked, and then quickly stepped back. That's strange. What's what strange? strange? They all seemed to ask at once. I could swear. I could see purple fire swirling in his eyes. The boy pulled away. You're looking at me like I'm some sort of freak. Jonah remarked. Sorry, the doctor replied. It's just, I've only seen eyes like those once before. They all nodded. Jack. Jack Stevens, Terrence said. His eyes glowed in amorist. The statement seemed to trigger something in the boy's memories, and he started rummaging through his pockets, pulling out a tattered business card. Jack Stevens, he asked. He's the one who left this with my parents. He said I should come here when I turned 14. Terence took the card, and with a sense of astonishment, he thought he even knew about this boy. So, where is he? Jonah asked, expecting some all-powerful person to step into the room at any moment. Jack retired, Terence explained. He left several years ago to help look after his grandson. Then, was this all a waste of time? It was clear that Jonah was disappointed at the news. No, Terence replied. First, you're not catching us at our best. And, believe it or not, Mr. Alistair over there has been waiting here this whole time for you to come. He pointed over to Mr. Alistair as he made the remarks. Mr. Alistair? 
the demon? It was clear Junnet wasn't sure of what to make of him. Indeed, Alistair replied. And I would appreciate it if you didn't refer to me as a demon. I left his service, and I have sworn my allegiance to Aldone. His word, and you. Me? Um, young man, Caitlin interrupted. Jonah. My name's Jonah Hollander. Okay, Jonah. Why? Why did you come to the cafe? He fidgeted a little and then asked, Before I tell you, can I please have something to eat? Sure. She smiled and to her surprise, the doctor had already brought out a bowl of chili for both himself and Jonah. Alistair sat there quietly and listened. He would not pressure the boy and trusted in the things he had learned. Jonah proceeded to tell them about the night his sister died, the demon Silen, and the dreams he was having of the thing that was wearing Jess's skin, and the master of the waste. It seems, Jonah said, I've been marked for termination by this Cadric order. Anyway, my parents said that Jack would train me how to use my powers. I see, Caitlin said. One more question, Jonah. Having those dreams and knowing that these things were coming for you, why did you go to Rift and not come here? I I thought there was a chance Jess was alive. I mean, deep down I knew that it was impossible and that it was probably a trap, but... Jonah, I want you to take a good look around at the people at this table, at the damaged wall. He did so. He could see the damaged floors, walls, temporary stairs, and scorch marks. That in the course of the injuries to Caitlin and Terrence. We're not trying to make you feel guilty, she continued, but those actions you took had unforeseen consequences. You're very blessed that Mr. Alistair believes in the promises made by Aldone and who you will become that he risked his life to save you. His life? Yes, she said. And then she told him about the Solomon Gate, the Guardian, Sam, and how the Order had tried to use the gate to destroy not only him, but the Sacred Dawn. He looked at the ex-demon, who had barely spoken. He remembered how they crossed paths at the bus stop, how he crashed into the house and pushed back Mr. Collins, and before losing consciousness, how he had taken him from there. Jonah realized his actions had been so selfish, and that this demon, no, ex-demon, that he had judged just based on the way he looked and on his previous experience, had acted the way he should have acted, selflessly. He felt his heart ache, and then he turned to the big red man. Thank you. Alistair still said nothing, just nodded. While he had sworn an oath to protect and train him, the fact that this boy's action had led to the loss of Sam didn't sit well with him. He knew he would have to let that go, but for now... Mr. Alistair, Jonah said softly. Yes, young master. Will, will you still please train me? I must learn to protect, not just myself, but I want to help. If I can become a member of the Sacred Dawn, maybe, maybe we can keep the Cadric Order from doing what they did to Jess, her family, and... He thought about Maggie. You will need her, and she will need you. Jess had told him that as they parted for the last time. He didn't just have to learn to protect others. 
he had to somehow save this girl Maggie too. He said nothing. Today, tonight, there was nothing he could do. But he promised himself he'd go back for her as soon as he could because if he understood Jess correctly, that girl didn't have long to live. Yes, young master, it will be my honor. But understand, I will not go easy on you. No, nor should you. I've seen what these, this order can do and potentially what waits for us if we don't succeed. Good. Then I will take my leave for this evening. Alistair stood up. It was clear his mind was still on Sam. Be in the fields, behind the cafe, first thing in the morning. The doctor protested. This boy is still hurt. He should be resting. Doctor, Alistair said. Evil never rests. It's relentless. While you and the human race sit back and pray for things to get better, it works to dismantle everything you know and have. He will train hurt and learn to deal with pain. The doctor was about to protest again when Terrence put up his hand. Don't bother. Jack wouldn't have had him wait until tomorrow morning. This is how things work around here. You're all nuts, he said. And then as he took a bite of chili, I guess I better stick around. Terrence smiled and laughed. You just want more coffee. Yes, Winecliffe confirmed. But it looks like I'll be needed here a little longer. Now, as our heroes train, and they plan their next move to counter the Cadric Order. By the way, Caitlin, nice use of a Piyotr joke, right smack dab in the middle of an episode. <laughs> you kill me! Meanwhile, on the other side, Cassandra and the Cadric Order continue to make plans of their own. Look at that. <laughs> They look to draw Jonah in and make Maggie their puppet. Ho, 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 ho. How will she fare, exposed to pain, regret, and despair? Shall we join her in the darkness behind the mirror? With chapter 15, Tortured. <laughs>